Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and Alexa via TuneIn. So if you want to talk to that NSA device that is in your living room right now, you can do that and also have it play the About to Review podcast. Uh, make sure to vote for the podcast in the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards. The link to that is in the description below. You can vote for this podcast in three different categories. Questions 8, 9, and 10. Favorite Northwest podcast, Geek of the Year, and where do you consume your geekdom, the About Review podcast. On this week's episode, I have two guests in the building. Uh, in the studio, returning is fan favorite. Fan favorite. Tim Hall, the People's Critic. Thank you. Second week in a row. Second week in a row. Uh, and joining the studio for the first time as a guest, uh, she has been behind the scenes and been a listener and supporter since the very, very beginning, uh, and has helped out the show in a couple different ways, but welcoming to the show, Michelle, aka Pizza Cat. Hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the show in an official capacity for the first time on mic. Yeah, I know. It's it's interesting. You know, I've known both John and Tim for a while. And, you know, like John said, I've been around since the first episode. So, yeah, actually being on the mic is an interesting experience, but I'm looking forward to it. Welcome. Thank yeah. you. Uh, yeah. So Michelle has definitely helped out uh, when I've been at various film festivals and she has helped kind of wrangle uh, some interviews that I've done in random corners of random film festivals. <laughs> you said wrangle, you got a lasso? Very true, yes. Pretty much, like, there would be times when I would be sitting down with somebody, you know, interviewing them, I would be done, and I would just walk over, and she would be like, uh, I just talked to so-and-so, they want to talk to you, and I was like, okay, here we go. And, like, keeping those people entertained while you're talking to someone else. Like, I definitely have run around with, a chi- like, a chicken with my head cut off, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> uh, so on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about three new movies which are in theaters right now. Uh, the Charlie Hunnam, Rami Malek prison escape movie, Papilli- uh, wow. Papillon. Papillon. Uh, as I look at it, I like every time I saw it, I was like, Papillon? No. It's Get Papillon. it right, Monsieur. Papillon. Papillon. It, it is one of my sister's nicknames when we were kids. My mom's called Papillon. Papillon. Yeah. Really? Okay. Nice. Uh, and then the dog and wolf boy movie alpha and rounding up the episode will be mile 22 the new marky mark and the action bunch yeah uh, it's, it's peter berg and Wahlberg's latest bromance movie pretty much <laughs> bromance with america yeah the greatest yeah. country in the world in the world uh so yeah but before we get into any of that we'll go into the original theme song created by damian randall Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so first thing on the docket today, uh, as with every new guest to the About to Read podcast, regardless of how often they have been around the show, is we do a getting to know you section. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Uh, so this is getting to know you, Michelle, aka Pizza Cat version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first, so I can see. <laughs> first question, kind of, what was your first movie memory? What was something, I mean, I know that you are 
a huge fan of film festivals and you watch a ton of movies. But what is when you think of like your first movie memory, what is it? So I'm going to go with my first movie theater memory. Sounds good. So my first movie theater memory is going with my brother, my teenage brother and his teenage friends to go watch Child's Play. What? <laughs> How so, old were you? Well, here's the thing. Like when I actually looked it Not up, I, old enough. <laughs> well, check this out. Like, so the movie came out in 1988, and yeah. I'm like, yep. there's no way I could have seen it when it first came out because I would have been way too young, and there's no way yeah. I would have had as vivid of a memory of it as I do. So you think you saw like a re-release of it, or so, like an old theater was showing it? Well, because my brother and I, like my both my parents are in the Air Force, so we lived on the base. And so it's not uncommon for the base theater mm. to sometimes bring movies back. Gotcha. So that I'm thinking they had to have brought it back like in the early 90s at some point. Mm-hmm. And so like I remember thinking I was going to see something else. Like I was all into, <laughs> no, like I was all into the I Care Bears. I can't wait to see The Little Mermaid. <laughs> well, yeah, I could have thought that I was going to go see like the Care Bears movie Ooh. or like Land Before Time or something, which was also out, out around that time. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember like being at the concession stand with my brother and his friends. We went there and met his friends there and getting popcorn I'm like yeah so excited to see this movie and then we walk over (laughs) to see Child's Play and I'm like I don't recall this being part of the conversation (laughs) like I didn't think that this is what I was going to go see and I'm like okay whatever you know and I was my brother and his friends no big deal scarred Mm -hmm. definitely scarred (laughs) and um the thing that sure you're scarred well, so okay, I'm, I'm getting to that. <laughs> As a kid, at, at that time I was because I remember I had to sleep with my parents that night, and there was mm-hmm. definitely a conversation with my brother and my parents about why he took me to go see this movie. But the thing that I remember the most about it was um, the my brother and kid sister dolls. Yep, that mm-hmm. the Chucky was based off. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, my buddy kid sister. So I had those dolls. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, nope. but check this out. Like so, at the time I had a headboard above my bed that had little cubby holes in it where I had my stuffed animals. And I had the My Brother and Kid Sister dolls at the top because they were the biggest ones. Nope. And because they were so big, they kind of leaned over. Nope. So, nope, so they nope, looked like they no. were staring at me from the top of the bed. And like, I, I, I couldn't do it. No way. No. <laughs> Not after that. And so like, I remember um, asking my brother to take those dolls out of the little cubby, put them in like a toy chest or something. I like, just put them far away. And I slept with my parents that night. Hmm. And uh, yeah. But you know... Horror's kind of always been a part of my life because my mom is a big Stephen King fan. So like mm-hmm. I grew up watching like The Langoliers and The Stand and yeah. you know all those type of movies and you know my mom is also big into sci-fi so we watched Dune and so mm-hmm. like because horror's been so ingrained in me, you know, I-, I love it now. At the time it was kind of jarring, but like, you know, now it's become one of my favorite. Well, I mean any of those the the movies from our generation that had for whatever reason, I have no idea if it was a licensing thing, used the real dolls that were for sale in a movie. So, I mean, whether it was Child's Play, uh, Poltergeist, was it a Raggedy Ann? Yeah, Raggedy Ann doll. So, I mean, those are things that, like, kids had (laughs) in our rooms. And it was like, no, there was a... I was either Poltergeist or one other movie that had the, uh, like, the Bobo the Ape thing with, like, the hard plastic face. And it was just, like, my oldest sister had one of those. And I remember seeing that in some scary movie, like in the background of a kid's room. And I was like, nope, yeah. hard pass. Is that where your love for Puppet Master came in? Well, Puppet Master is an entirely different beast because those dolls aren't exactly lovable. No. You know. Have um, you seen the new one? There's a new oh, one. yeah, that just came out like a couple days ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. This okay. is the ninth? Probably ninth. Tenth. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, Puppet Master was like when I started watching horror movies on my own. 
And like for whatever reason, the doll ones were the ones that always got me the most. And it didn't make sense yeah. to me because it's like, why am I scared of something that's a foot tall, but I'm not scared right. of like Candyman or, you know, something yeah. that's like a little bit more threatening. that would have in the face. Well, most you, you people say would that. have. You say that, but it's like I don't know. You think they're small; they get more ground coverage, gravity. Like they have advantages that, like, a t- like an actual <laughs> person probably wouldn't. Like I don't. I think about these things. I think about these. You're things. not wrong. <laughs> so you're not wrong. So yeah, um, she's like a little running back, just running around hitting people. <laughs> well, and I mean, when you think about they get the butcher, yeah, the butcher knife in his hand is like a katana for a regular person. Yeah. So. Well, and you think about the little screw head one, and like. If oh, one of those yeah. dolls gets you at your Achilles tendon, like you're yeah. done. Yeah. Which of course that's happened. All it, but that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like a tall person would not be able to do that. Right. Or, or at least true. easily. You yeah, know. For for those who aren't for the uninitiated, can you explain sort of the premise of Puppet Master? Oh gosh. <laughs> so like this well, this guy makes puppets. Mm-hmm. He lives in like this beach house in like some island out in the middle of nowhere and he makes puppets and they're cursed. Okay. And um you know, to be honest, I rewatched it somewhat recently. I don't remember all the details. I just remember someone trying to take them and use them for evil purposes. This is true. Yeah, the cam and the camera work is super weird because it gives you the perspective of the puppet as it is like mm-hmm. running through this like hotel type thing with a bunch of people. You hear little feet pattering. Right. Around. But <laughs> right. you never see yeah. the puppet and nobody notices this, but it is like running up chairs yeah. and it was like okay. They're pretty bad movies, but fun a fun watch though. Exactly. I remember those used to be advertised in comic books in the 90s. Like, I remember seeing the ads for those, and it was like, this is a rated R horror movie. Horror film about killer puppets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's puppets, so it's kid-friendly, of course. Apparently. Okay, so Child's Play was your first theater memory. Yes. Okay. Nice, nice. Uh, Now, again, with the myriad of genres that you like, obviously horror is one of them. Mm -hmm. So, to love and to loathe. What is a genre that you love, which you already kind of talked about, Mm -hmm. but what is a genre or type of movie that you loathe, that just does not interest you at all? So the genre that I loathe, and this has been kind of interesting having conversations with my female friends, I'm not a fan of rom-coms. Hey, oh. I I just know, I I know, (laughs) I I know this gets you right in in the heart, Tim, but I'm just, well, I think that there have been some improvements made in the last couple of years. But for the most part, I just don't like the way that women are portrayed in rom-coms because, you know, they portray these fantasies and then they kind of bleed over into real life. And I think that it sets up a false expectation of what relationships are supposed to be or how Mm -hmm. people are supposed to act. Valid. 100% valid. So I just, you know, like there are definitely some standouts like um, I like Mannequin. Mannequin sort of. Okay. Classic. Yeah. Okay. And I like IQ, which is a, uh, what, it, Meg Ryan, that's her name? Short blonde hair. Meg. Was that IQ? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's like pretty much one of the only ones that she made that I liked with her and Tim Robbins. And like it was one of the slept on ones, but I really thought it was super cute. But it's just like, yeah, for the most part, it's just people are super annoying and they have these perfect lives and like people are complex, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just tend not to like the the false fantasy of rom-coms. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Mannequin, I feel like, and Tim and I, of course, were talking about this before we started Recording about the Made in the 80s podcast, mm-hmm. Tim's other, one of Tim's other projects. I know some of those movies are rough to rewatch. I have a feeling that Mannequin, if, if, like, if I were to go back and watch it, like I remember watching it as a kid and thinking it was funny. I was at the point where I just thought it was funny and I didn't really care about the romance angle because I saw it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I feel like there would be some problematic things just because yeah, in almost every it. 80s movie. You'd have to change it. Yeah, some, well, some I like Meshach Taylor. I mean, 
yep. you know, he's great. So yeah. who was it? Was it uh, Kim Cattrall? Was yeah. That the, yeah. Yeah. She was the mannequin. Mm-hmm. Okay. She yeah. was she was really hot in the 80s and then kind of feels like disappeared until Sex in the City. Yeah. I'm sure she did kind something of. in between. But yeah, she sort of that was sort of her, her rebirth with Sex in right. the City. Mm-hmm. Nice. She's good in that, though. Yeah, <clears throat> she was. Uh, and then another genre that I know that you enjoy is anime. Because mm-hmm. anime is awesome, Tim. Uh, <laughs> I've never said anything bad about anime. You're not in the anime club? I'm not heavy into it. But <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I'm not. I've never really caught on to it. I watched a few. Okay. Yeah, did I'm you watch not. Attack on Titan when we told you to watch Attack on Titan? No, I didn't watch Attack on Titan. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, man, you're missing out. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think that might be what might be daunting for you is like sometimes the longevity of these series, how they go on for like yeah. hundreds and hundreds of episodes. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. No, there's some that are like little 10 and 12 episode arcs that yeah. are just really complete stories. They're good ones. Right. Yeah. So. so speaking of some good ones, have you watched any good anime recently that you can recommend to the listeners? Well, um, so I recently finished Fate Apocrypha, which is part of like the Fate Stay Night series. and One of the most confusing anime series out there. You really have to be paying attention to the storylines for sure. Like honestly, I just watch them because the battle scenes are pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Like the animation is great and the battle scenes are great, but it's like it's hard to really get into the individual characters' motivations and then they loop into previous storylines and it's like, I don't know who this person was and they were in a different time and like yep. this person was a man before and now they're a woman. And yep. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I just, I'm like, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll watch the battles and follow along as best as I can. Okay. But um, that aside, another one I was into is called uh, Kake Gurui. Okay. Which translates to Compulsive Gambler. Okay. And so what it is is that it's set in a high school, like 90% of animes are. Pretty much. Uh, well, actually, no, this is in a college, actually, now that I think about it. And so it's a bunch of rich kids, children of politicians and other influential pe- people. And um, the currency in school, the social currency, is knowing how to gamble well. And so this hmm. new chick comes to school named Yumiko, and she's just, like, tearing through people. And, like, people are trying to figure out how she like what her secret is Mm -hmm. and like i don't want to give too much of the show away but it's very interesting it's a really short show i would have to say it's about 10 to 12 episodes but it's a complete story and i really liked it sweet yeah all right so there you go so definitely uh hit up michelle on social media for other anime recommendations or what your favorite one is if you are watching something recently and uh and want to share that so cool that was the getting to know you michelle edition thank you for that good to have Mm -hmm. you uh on mic uh, next is the geek news. All right. So a few topics uh, this week. First one, <laughs> Damon Lindelof uh, has this Watchmen TV show that he has been trying to get made for a couple years now. And it finally got the stamp and it is a go for HBO. Mm-hmm. What do we think about this? Considering I know all of us in this room have opinions about Watchmen in general. So personally, I loved Watchmen, and when I heard there was a movie coming out, I was really excited for it, but mm-hmm. I remember after watching the film thinking that it needed to be a series, mm-hmm. because it's so dense. Like, I'm always harping on book-to-movie adaptations, and Watchmen was actually a really good one, and I knew that there were certain things that they weren't going to be able to do just because right. of, right. you know, comic book restraints, but... You know, Watchmen actually followed as close to the book as they possibly could. And I really liked that they included that little sub story of the Black Freighter because that was Mm -hmm. one of my favorite parts. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what a series is going to do breaking up that dense storyline. Yeah. Yeah. I'm less concerned with the Watchmen story more than Damon Lindelof. 
because I don't know what he's done lately that yeah. gives me reason to believe he could do this. Yeah, I mean, he got lost under his belt. He does, which and people feel a way about how it ended. I don't want to talk about it, or and, I would just get angry. Uh, but his other projects haven't really been that great. He's got some hits, but a lot more misses yeah. than hits. So, but I like the HBO as the platform is on, which will give him some flexibility to do different things he wants to do with the sh- with the show. And he even said that, like he said that this is going to be a remix. So he did not say that he's doing a direct adaptation. Is going to have most of the same characters, but he's going to be doing a remix. That has me a little worried. But what is it? Updated story is all going to take place. They have not really said it is just going to be a remix. Story. Are they going to be? It's be modern. It's going to be right. like a modern story versus now. the uh, eighty, like you know, right. early eighties. That doesn't always well. So a modern, a modern world that's sort of um, just alternate future. Right. Right. I. I just. Part of the appeal of it, though, because like this took place during the Vietnam War, didn't it? Like uh, after, so it was the eight, it was a fictionalized eighties. Yeah, so it's like that was part of the appeal of it. I mean, I guess they can use the current war. Yeah, they I, could. I just I, well, I I have some reservations. Or about it would yeah. be like, what if if the Vietnam War had gone differently? What would the world look like now? Or if the Cold War had gone differently, what right. does it look yeah. like now? Yeah, so I mean, I, more topical. I, I'm interested in it. I'm a little bit worried about it just because, you know, it is TV. It is Damon Lindelof. Uh, but one thing that I felt was weird about it, speaking of Lindelof's kind of approach, he wrote this huge letter, like, to the fans and also to Alan Moore. Okay. Apologizing for making the show before he even made it. Dude. So he wrote a letter being like, for everybody who's going to be upset about me making a Watchmen show, I'm sorry. And it was like... Dude, yeah. like, give him a chance first. Like, then you're just giving the trolls more bait. Own yeah. your art, own it, He's and be proud a, he, of it. He got off Twitter because he people would always harass him about laws. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He's, <clears throat> I think he's talented. I just don't, not sure if. He's I just think that was a weird move. Back back. Like, it's and especially weird. like writing to Alan Moore, who first of all is a crazy warlock hermit who lives in the woods and does not like to talk to anybody. Yeah. Right. He wrote him a letter being like, "I'm going to be adapting your work." You know, I know that, and it was like, dude, oh, just just no. make your thing. Yeah. You know that, like, Alan Moore wants nothing to do with it, so why even yeah. go that route? So we will see. So that should be filming next year when it will be released is still kind of up in the air. Uh, another show that is coming out this year mm-hmm. that kind of surprised me at least yeah. that it was coming out this year. Yeah, it's coming out this year. Iron Fist season two. They just dropped the trailer for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes out on Netflix in a couple months. Um, it looks bad. Like, but yeah. didn't you guys say Iron Fist one was pretty bad? Oh, it was real bad. Because I I never really watched bad. it. Like I wanted to grow when I heard about Iron Fist two, but it's like I can't even rightfully grow because I never watched Iron Fist one. Iron Fist one was a rough watch. Well, it's, oh, say so I watched maybe thirty minutes of the first episode and never went back to it. So yeah. Yeah. of of all of them, it is one that you could skip. Um, the Defenders, like he was more interesting in the Defenders, right? But the second season, like the the effect looks better, the yeah. choreography looks better, because apparently that was a big problem with season one, is they were shuttling shuttling him like to the choreography, to the set, showing him what needs to get done, and then expecting him just to do it. Right. Mm. So this the fight choreography looks better, the glowing effect looks better. In the first season, he had to like psych himself up mm-hmm. or like get a long rest to use his power, which was dumb. And yeah. this one it looks like he has way more control over even in uh Luke Cage, mm-hmm. season two. Mm-hmm. Like, just sitting in the barbershop, like, and you can just 
make his hand go all glowy. So he has already kind of, it seems like, mastered that. Mm -hmm. Which means, of course, something's going to happen and his power is going to get taken away. I I don't know what's going to happen in the show. Yeah. uh, Well, the Steel Serpent is most likely going to be in this as the villain, uh, who is the one who kind of should have gotten the Iron Fist moniker and title. We will see. But so far, I just do not care. I'm hopeful that the not only is you know are the characters but the studio is more comfortable with the character so it yeah. flows like a better season than the first one mm-hmm. uh, it can't be any worse than the first one true Ooh, that's no, i mean you guys are really selling it for someone that hasn't seen it right like yeah everyone everything seemed very uncomfortable in its own skin right yeah the mm-hmm. characters the writing nobody the had story. any chemistry now it seems like we've got you know, it's been some time since the first one. We've got a Defenders. We got him in Luke Cage. Okay. So I think there's a lot more comfortability, comfortability about who he is, what his purpose is. And if they write a nice story, it can at least be watchable. At least I know the fighting will be better. Yeah, definitely. For that sure. is something that, I, that I'm excited about. So yeah. uh, more TV news. Uh, the Alienist, a TNT show that came out last year yeah. uh, that was surprisingly really graphic and mm-hmm. brutal for network TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they sent it, so they actually sent me a few episodes before it, it aired to do some early coverage of it. And I, when I watched it, I was like, I almost thought I was watching like stars or HBO. Like the level of violence w- was me, legitimately shocking. Hannibal on NBC, which I remember mm-hmm. I watched the first episode of Hannibal whenever that was like five years you never ago. Finished it? No, uh, finished Hannibal. Hannibal's uh, great. But I remember watching that and being like, this is on NBC. Yeah. Like <laughs> Hannibal was great. Oof. Every episode, I was like, I can't believe they're showing this on uh, network television. Yeah, pretty crazy. So The Alienist, it wrapped its first season uh, a couple months ago. Got some critical praise. Um, and actually just got greenlit for a sequel series called The Angel of Darkness, which mm-hmm. is based off of a book by the same author as The Alienist. Mm-hmm. The cast okay. is coming back. So Daniel Bruhl, uh, Luke Evans, and Dakota Fanning are all coming back for this one. It takes place like a year after season one. Mm-hmm. So I I liked season one. I mean, I, I would kind of go in and out of it. It was never something that when they sent me the first like three episodes, I watched those. But then when it came out, I never really kind of just jumped into it and just could not wait for the really next. drawing you to the show. But yeah, it, I mean, but it you was, didn't dislike it. Yeah, exactly. Like when I watched it, I liked it, but it was yeah. there was never something where I was like, "Oh man, the Alienist is on yeah. tonight." Got to set my DVR. So I might be the only one here that actually finished the first season. Am I? No. Okay, you finished it. Yeah. So I I enjoyed it. I thought mm-hmm. it was really good, and I thought that you know all three main characters did a really good job. Yeah. One thing that was really annoying to me and i talked with john about this is the emphasis on the wh words yeah. how they're like yeah. what why Where? my white <laughs> yeah. dress and it's like dude stop yeah. and, i mean it's I, such a dark show like yeah filmed filmed very oh dark. yeah mm-hmm. that's that takes some getting used to it does but yeah like the the tone the, i mean yeah. the, the time period it takes place it's in all dark and i like some of the cameos um the the british guy that plays the rich vanderfluff family son mm-hmm. Oh, um, I can't remember his name. No, me either. I, I, he's in a lot of BBC mm-hmm. stuff. He he's like a really good actor, and like I was happy to see him in there. Yeah. yeah, and Daniel Bruhl. I mean, I have said it before. The guy is solid. Like I will watch just about Definitely. any Daniel Bruhl project because yeah. he is just compelling. He, I mean, we've talked about it on other episodes before. I talked about Tilda Swinton. How there's something just visually striking that kind of focuses you. Daniel Bruhl. He's visually striking to you. Pretty much like he, he is kind of just captivating. Like when you watch him, there's just something about him that 
makes you interested in what he is doing. Luke Evans is very much that for me. Yeah. He was I like bet the he you is. Know. <laughs> His inst- dude, Luke Evans' Instagram is wow. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I like so I just think of it this way. Like, so in the show, he plays like John Schuyler, something or another. I forgot his something name. Something like that. Where he's like sort of like this rich playboy guy that is an illustrator for a New York Times. Yeah, like or... the newspapers exactly. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of like Gaston's New York cousin because yeah. it's kind of yeah. like, <laughs> you <Pretty> know, much. <laughs> kind of the same character. So, But uh, much more, not docile is not the right word, but much less confident. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the way he kind well, of he just carries hurt, himself. You know, there was some heartbreak in there. Not going to spoil it too much for those. But... Yeah, which is always weird when he would go to the place and like have a person wear the ring and like put out this whole scenario. But... Yeah. But yeah, so like the show was good. I definitely am on board for the sequel. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it will be kind of an interesting take to see kind of what happens now, you know, a year later. Yeah. So yeah, so that will be coming out next year, uh, The Angel of Darkness. Uh, Wes Anderson's new film <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, is most likely going to be a World War II movie set in France. Why does that matter? Because it might be a musical. Yes. It might be very Duo, problematic. Yeah, I, I, you know, well, I like Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah, like it's what was that Hitler in the springtime? What was that movie? The producers. The producers. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just like eh. the thing is, <laughs> I mean, musicals in general have always kind of played at, at social issues and everything. So I'm down for that. Wes Anderson, when you think of a director who has a visual style mm-hmm. that is perfect for a musical, it is Wes Anderson. Like, think of Grand Budapest Hotel at yes. any one of those scenes. Mm-hmm. If somebody had started singing, it would have fit right in. Random Royal. side note, you can buy those boxes on Etsy, and I actually bought some of those. What boxes? Like, the boxes that the little treats are in, those little pink ones. Oh. All right. Yeah. Etsy's a great place, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Etsy, Etsy is, is interesting. <laughs> great thing to present uh, gifts in. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Wes Anderson, as far as visual styling, I think that is going to be great. I am curious to see if he does make this a musical, because right now, those that is just kind of the talk. If he does, I would be interested to see who he brings on to do the music part of it, to write it. Because, I mean, yeah. If perform you were, it. Perform it. I mean, if he does, like, Damien Chazelle, okay, done. You win an Oscar. It'll Solid. probably have Jason Schwartzman in it. Oh. And I'm sure he's done some singing. Actually, I know he's done some singing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think with his core cast, like Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just, I, I wonder what he's going to do with it. And because Wes Anderson, the singing doesn't necessarily have to be good. No. <laughs> yeah. He could pull off a film where the singing isn't great. And yeah. And still mm-hmm. be very entertaining and go through sort of the same beats as any other musical. And mm-hmm. I think with his same cast of actors he uses constantly, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. And so it is one of the things where I will never say that I am a giant Wes Anderson fan. Right. But I like his movies well enough. All of them are solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just Royal Tannenbaums, Life Aquatic. I could just see somebody breaking out into song, right. and it, it fits the world. So I'm down for that. As far as the World War II setting in France, sure. Why not? But it is a musical, so it will have my money. Gotcha. Uh, I got to put some respect on the name. Oscar-winning movie, Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, the sequel that nobody asked for. Mm-hmm. Literally nobody, nobody cares. Nobody asked for this. Um, the filming has been pushed back. It's not happening. Surprise, surprise. I mean, is Jared Leto actually going to be in this one or? No, because he's getting his own Joker movie. One of the five Joker movies that we were getting. Five. Oh, give it it time. But yeah, Suicide Squad 2, they pushed back filming so that Will Smith can focus on Bad Boys 3. Which is, he's getting pushed back. And Bright 2. 
which nobody has talked about in a while. Like when Bright first came out, they got greenlit for a sequel right away. But then nothing happened. So, I mean, Margot Robbie's doing her thing, too. And she is, she is getting her own movie, Birds of Prey. So like, yeah, suicide, we, we, won't, we won't get it. Suicide, suicide Squad 2 is not happening. No. No. <laughs> they, they, they would need like three or four really successful ones to then yeah. get the balls to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, just, it, it is ridiculous. I have no faith that, that we will see this. Uh, there was a nice story actually um, about Diablo's creator. Like they yeah. actually created him in the comics. That because of the success of Suicide Squad, that was the first time he had like legitimacy as far as financial stability as a comic book creator he was able to buy his mom a house recently Aww. like i liked that story and i was right. like good good for you the movie was garbage yeah. mm-hmm. he could have had more if the movie was actually really good it, like diablo is actually one I of mean, the it... more compelling characters in it right so i mean it did win an oscar so it must Ugh. be great yes. yeah. uh lastly to exciting news that is 100 percent a rumor i do not want anybody to get too excited but i'm excited all it was was a tweet Somebody sent Jason Blum of Blumhouse a tweet being like, hey, so now the dark universe is not really happening. Would you want to kind of take it up and do something? His one word of response was yes, with like five exclamation points. The only way that I would have faith in any sort of dark universe happening is if somebody like Blumhouse yeah, would do they're, it. They were behind it. Yeah, I don't I don't trust Universal. <laughs> no. So remind me again what Dark Universe is or what's part of this. Uh, all of these old <laughs> monsters like Like Nosferatu. Uh, uh, no, Frank- the, the Mummy, Frankenstein, okay. Wolfman, Invisible Man. Okay. The one that they... Something? No. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. They all, they're all kind of in the same... The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, yeah. yeah. All okay. Characters. The one where three years ago they did a huge spread in like Variety and GQ with the full cast... Of movies that we're not going to see for like four years, the first of which was The Mummy, mm-hmm. mm. immediately they canned The Dark Universe. So it was like they, they assumed <laughs> The Mummy was going to be a huge success. Because it is Tom Cruise. And right. so right. they pushed out this huge rollout about, this is a whole photo op. with here all Yeah, these characters. that I saw. They're going to be part of this Dark Universe. We're going to be telling these stories. And The Mummy ends with uh, Cruise going out to find these other people, essentially. Yeah. And it just didn't take off. Yeah, and so. then the creators were like, Oh, similar to Suicide Squad, they're like, oh, we have some other projects that we need to work on before we do this, but right. AKA, bye. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> like, it's, bounce. It's, 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 you know, <laughs> it's literally like the, what my grandma, what I always say, it was like, counting your chickens, counting your eggs before they hatch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's that, it's that thing of like, hey, this is going to be really great. We should probably do it. Instead of someone saying, hey, let's just wait and see how this plays out mm-hmm. first. And if it plays out well, we'll do it. Now, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in Blumhouse connecting their films. I mean, again, I'd watch that. When I'd watch think, all their films be connected. When you think about Blumhouse, Tim and I have just gushed on them before. Yeah, Low stuff. budget horror studio that knows exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Not everything is a big hit. The <laughs> recent dark web movie. Fun. Terrifying. It, it was it was fun, terrifying, but also just kind of dumb to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, fair enough. I was never so, bored. Fair. Fair. And I was Were there jump scares in it? Because that was one I didn't a see. A couple. A couple, but, but they did upgrade. Yeah, Boo. from from the first one they did upgrade, which which is great. Lee Lee Winnell, like, yeah, it's a great movie. It's so so Blumhouse, they, it's they know what, minutes, it's yeah. right to the point. They know what they're doing. So, but again, all that was was a tweet. But please, Universal Studios, I know you are listening, because uh, you listen every week. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, 
give give your stuff to Blumhouse. Make it no, happen. Well, oh, there's no way they do that because Blumhouse yeah. is you know their their big small bed, independent. Their big yeah. bet is Halloween coming out this October. Yeah, that's their big bet. They're they're rebooting Halloween mm-hmm. as a sequel like to the, the original time. film. Well, no, this no. is technically only the. This is not even a reboot. This is a, a sequel, sequel to the very first, oh, okay. to the very first one. Because the second movie became more of like a a slasher film. Because the mm-hmm. first one never really was. Mm-hmm. Second one's more of a slasher film, and it it sort of puts in the idea that Michael Myers was sister was was, yeah. was chasing after his sister. This whole family thing, and that's the narrative they ran with. This whole family mm-hmm. sort of dynamic throughout the films, right? That goes into that bleeds into H two O. That goes into all that. So they're scrapping all of that and yep. saying this is a sequel from the end of the first movie where Michael Myers gets up after he gets shots off the balcony mm-hmm. um, by Dr. Loomis. I have to give this little disclaimer. I say I'm a horror movie fan. I Never still have not seen, seen Halloween. Oh. <laughs> I, I want to flip this Boo. thing. <laughs> how, how have you not seen it? I mean, I watched, what is it? Amityville? Amityville Horror. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, I know okay. that that's after the fact. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. it, just, it just wasn't one of the ones that we watched as a family. One of, the, one of the things you'll notice about Halloween when you do watch it is a lot of other horror films have taken things from it. 100%. Absolutely. Like it, Scream? It, uh, I mean, to part, a point, but like, part, I'm talking about a lot of horror films you've watched okay. have stolen things from this film and, mm-hmm. and used it again. There's little stuff the film does. Little... Yeah shots mm-hmm. still shot. still one of the best horror scores of all time yeah. one of the most recognizable scores and they're actually going to be using they just released yeah, a, a the track teaser yeah the teaser with like mm. a new a slightly tweaked version of the original yeah give it to me other like than that. like texas chainsaw massacre how that music is yeah a lot uh, of the, yeah the beauty of the film is a lot of stuff happens in in the foreground yeah okay so that's the beauty of, of the horror you're watching this babysitter on the phone mm-hmm Michael Myers is literally staring at her through the window. Mm-hmm. Now the camera's following her, mm-hmm. pace back and forth to the kitchen on the phone, and mm-hmm. when it pans back over, he's not, not in the window there. anymore, and the door right. is open. Yep. So you never see very him much like in Scream, Drew Barrymore. She's e- exactly. On the phone. Yeah. I mean, so just but watching it, yeah. there are so many just film techniques yeah. that horror people, horror filmmakers have been using since then. So I am a hundred percent on board that for this shot at the end. At one point, Carrie goes to the house to carry on her friends and finds them dead. And mm-hmm. I don't know how Michael Myers got the headstone in the bed, but the yeah. headstone in the bed hmm. and she screams, she leans up against this, this banister and there's a closet that's dark and you mm. see slowly, you see Michael Myers slowly, <gasps> yep. but yes. his face is so pale and white. Okay. That all you see, you see his face sort of come into uh-huh. focus as he steps out. It's great, like yeah. nice. it's that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. that they use that other people have done. One you of the, should watch it. Okay, I yeah. mean, I will. I one of one will. of the scariest moments of Annabelle creation yeah. was the scene under the stairs where yeah. it did that same thing. Oh yeah, where you see the doll and you're like, okay, cool, Annabelle, and you look behind the doll into the darkness and you slowly see something come forward. You see like a yeah. pair of eyes, and then you yank the doll back, and it was like, yep. nope, <laughs> like that got one of the biggest jumps in the yeah. entire movie because again, it. It folks it gives you enough time to start looking at the background, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it starts to come yeah. like it's yeah, great. solid. Yeah, watch it. So, uh, but yeah, so we'll Blumhouse, do it. we'll do. We love Blumhouse uh, on the About to Review podcast. Hashtag Blumhouse become a sponsor. <laughs> uh, get that going, everybody. <laughs> so, but yeah, so Dark Universe that would be great. Never going to happen. The Dark Universe is dead. We will not see any of those movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that is it for the geek news. Now. The three movies that we're going to be talking about, we will uh, go round robin and introduce them. So, Papillon, the prison escape movie that we mentioned, 
Mm-hmm. Michelle, how about you tee this one off, kind of talk about the general story uh, of this film. So you know how great I am of getting synopsis. Synopsis. This is going to be great. So, which is why I started off with you. <laughs> what I was actually hoping for is that you would read like the part from IMDb, like the synopsis off IMDb. I can. So I will. <laughs> you know, say, those aren't always accurate. Yeah, exactly. I will say that it takes place in like 1930s France, okay. mm-hmm. and the first part of it, like the set, reminded me of Moulin Rouge. Like yeah. I was seriously waiting for you and McGregor or like John Leguizamo to just pop out and start singing mm-hmm. somewhere. Right. Um. So that kind of. It kind of took me out of it a little bit because that's what I thought of Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. And you see the Moulin Rouge in the background of one of the shots. True. And I think it's pretty similar to the one that's in the musical. But that aside, so you don't really see much of that because Mm -hmm. the movie starts off pretty quickly. Like you get to the main, the root of the story within the first 15, 20 minutes ish. And so, yeah, a thief gets wrongly accused of murder. Mm hmm. And he gets sent. Not, not wrongly accused, framed. Well, framed. Yeah. <laughs> well, true. Yeah. Words matter. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so he gets sent to a prison in the French Guiana. Mm-hmm. And he meets a counterfeiter, or I think that's what yeah. he's, counterfeiter named uh, Louis Dega. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like their friendship through their time in prison. And yeah, I don't want to give away too much of it. I mean, so it is, and you can see some of this in the trailer, so it is not a spoiler. Mm-hmm. You know, this is based off of a true story of, of a real kind of con man who escaped from multiple prisons. Yeah. So, I mean, going into this movie, I mean, yeah, so it is not really a spoiler, so good job on, <laughs> on your first synopsis. The one-line synopsis from IMDb, a prisoner detained on a remote island plots his escape in the second adaptation of the novels by... Henry Charari. Henri. It's Henri. Ever see the original? No. With Dustin Hoffman, Steve McQueen. I think I watched parts of it like when I was a kid when it was probably like Nick at Night or something. Nick at Night? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they used to always show like, or like TCM, like Turner Classic Movies. Mm -hmm. So I maybe saw bits of it, but nothing that I remember. Yeah. One of Steve McQueen's best. I didn't even know that there was an original until after this movie got out. Because we mm-hmm. were like, did you see the Dustin Hoffman one? I'm like, what? I didn't even know that it existed. I didn't know it was a book. I went into this completely blind because like, when we got the um, screener invite, mm-hmm. I hadn't heard anything about it. And so I watched a trailer of it like a day before mm-hmm. you know, I actually went to the screening. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it looked interesting enough. You know, I tend to like time period pieces and... You know, I wanted to give Charlie Hunnam a chance because I kind of, con- no, I kind of consider you, this I movie. I thought you watched it. We've all, he's like a fantasy football player that everyone has on their team. <laughs> right. like, right, let me give Charlie a chance because maybe he was bad in this thing, but he'll be better in something else. Like, that's uh, Charlie like, Did you watch Sons of Anarchy? I thought you liked that. Well, well, I did. So here's the thing. I consider it an introduction to both him and Rami Malek. So yeah. this is truly the first thing I've seen Rami Malek act in. What? Yes, because I haven't seen Mr. Robot, and I hadn't seen anything else he'd been in. I looked at his IMDb page just to make sure, and like the only thing I saw that I might have been interested in is Battleship. He was in Twilight. <laughs> well, I was in... No, I would have watched Battleship strictly for Rihanna. That's the <laughs> only reason I would have watched it. Boom. So you didn't see him in, you didn't see Rami in Need for Speed? Um, is that the one with Dominic What's-His-Face as the lead? Is that the one that's based off the video game with Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Is it Need for Speed? Yeah. Yeah, so I hadn't seen anything in his catalog. So this was the first time I'd seen him act. And then Charlie Hunnam, like, I knew him from Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. And then that awful King Arthur movie that came out a couple years Oof, back. Your CrossFit King Arthur? Which, yeah. again, <laughs> I said it then, I will say it now. As a King Arthur movie, it was terrible. As a Dungeons and Dragons movie, it was awesome. Yeah. I have no idea what that reference is, but I, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I wanted to give him another chance to sort of, you know, 
reclaim himself from what I mm-hmm. know of him. And it actually, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was well acted for the two of them. Yeah, I mean, it basically, I mean, just like with a lot of these prison dramas, whether it is Shawshank, Green Mile, you really have to have compelling characters that you care about. Right. right. Or the whole movie is just going to fail. Right. Because in, in this prison escape thing, if if you do not believe that they actually have some camaraderie, if they have some, you know, compassion for each other, it just is not going to work. Well, and actually, now that you bring that up, so there were times in the movie where Charlie Hunnam's character, uh, Papillon, mm-hmm. had a chance to escape, but it meant leaving others behind. Mm-hmm. And... You know, he just kind of plays like this hero where he's like, I'm not going to leave anyone behind. It's, right. you know, we all have to go out together. And it's like, I didn't really feel that that was conveyed in a lot of his other actions. Because yeah. when you're in prison, you're pretty much out for yourself because it's survival of the fittest. I've never been to prison. but well, I I like, tell, tell us more, Michelle. <laughs> I mean, I know you spent 10 years in solitary. but Well, we... I mean, I'm fresh out, you know. Yeah, fair enough. You see the neck tat right here. Right. Um, Six teardrops. Right. Yeah, I, we'll, I learned we'll get everything. We'll after lockup. We'll put you, we'll get you on there. <laughs> oh right. I learned everything about prison from Oz. <laughs> right. Oh, oh no. <laughs> One wow. Of the greatest shows ever. Oh, um, no. But yeah, and it's like, you know, you're out for yourself for the most part. And, you know, Papillon, basically the re- part of the reason that he becomes friends with Degas is because Degas is a counterfeiter. And so he has like these huge stashes of money. Mm-hmm. From, and- from, well, he has money from legitimate sources because he has kind of a high muckety muck. Mm-hmm. But he got sent to prison. Because he was counterfeiting stuff. So he has legitimate money mm-hmm. in this in this prison. Oh, right. And then Degas offers to pay him, basically, mm-hmm. to be like his prison bodyguard. And so yeah, that's like how... Out of sight. Sure. Yeah. Didn't see that one. Oh, yeah. Out of sight was good. Yeah. And so, yeah. So first it starts out with like a money thing. And then mm-hmm. it's like, no, I actually like this guy. We're going to be friends. But it's like, I never really saw when it became less about the money and more about the friendship. Yeah, and and I think that is a fair criticism. Uh, even though they did have some good chemistry, the kind of like kind of deep compassion for each other, I really did not feel until the end. Yeah, like it, when, as the story builds and builds, and you kind of see what happens to certain characters, then it felt more real and it felt more grounded. The scenery was gorgeous, like it oh, was yeah. filmed in like Spain and Czech Republic. So cinematography was great. They. Part of it is on, like, this devil's island, this crazy prison, similar to something on, like, the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Where it's just this prison on the top of an island in the middle of nowhere. So they're like, go ahead, escape, go for it. Like, what? One of the critiques that both John and I had as we exited this movie is, like, for prison, this doesn't look quite so bad. Like, you're on a beach, there's palm trees everywhere, there's coconuts, and it's it's like... still prison. Exactly. That that was what I was saying also. Like, it was gorgeous, (laughs) but, like, Rami Ma, like, one of the characters, you know, like, they, they have this, like, kind of studio... "Quote unquote apartment like, like this loft? beat it beat it yeah oh yeah totally oh yeah with like loft. ocean view and I was like with throw I mean, rugs and yeah everything. you are still you in get prison baguettes what is going on well uh, the food that gets one. that's the downside because yeah. the food has to be brought in but I'm like honestly bring a couple seeds over maybe a couple you know goats and chickens and stuff like that so you can get like some manure going or some <laughs> yeah like it it was interesting but yeah gorgeously filmed uh, Charlie Hunnam I was impressed kind of with his range in this movie he yes. is. For sure. He is tasked to do some tough stuff, and there is some CrossFit type moments. Of course, there is. Uh, you get some shirt off moments. Oh, with absolutely. Him. I mean, why not? Uh, but as it as it plays out with his character, and you see the drama that he has to go through and the tension that he has to go through himself, yeah. like I was impressed. So Charlie Hunnam definitely impressed me. Rami Malek. I mean, I've seen it in other stuff before. I'm waiting. I think this is finally the year that Rami Malek 
gets a shot to be in front of the most people. So this movie, I don't think it's going to do that for him. I think Bohemian Rhapsody will. Exactly. Yeah. So this movie, at least I think will get his name out there. And then Mm -hmm. with Bohemian Rhapsody, I think that is going to be the star making vehicle for him. And he deserves it. I I really like him. Uh, It did kind of feel disjointed in parts. Uh, Like the stuff in France in the beginning, all like glitzy glamour. And then when it, when it takes a hard left into a prison drama, Mm -hmm. it just, it felt, like the transition could have been a little bit smoother. smoother. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was shot really well. There were really cool color dynamics. Mm-hmm. There are some scenes at night where there are like some oranges and blues when they're sitting next to each other, and Charlie Hunnam and Rami Malek are sitting next to each other. So like, it was visually shot really well. So I liked that. Uh, and it, yeah, it was based off of a book, and he wrote a sequel. Also, there have been disputes over. How much of this actually happened? Just like any prison escape movie. Well, one thing that they did say is that, I mean, he did say that it wasn't his story, that it was a combination of stories from his time in prison. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have to believe that he experienced all of this. Mm -hmm. But all of it did happen. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and the sequel, they the the book uh, that he wrote after this, they say is more similar to things that he actually went through. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, So, compelling story, compelling characters. Uh, the official rating system for the About to Review podcast, if this is your first time listening, there are three choices. No stars, no letter grades. The three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something that you would recommend to a friend. Bad film is something you came out of the theater and you were like, yeah, that was all right. There were some redeeming qualities, but overall, not impressed. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Michelle, Pizza Cat. Oh, man. Uh, what is your official rating for Papillon? Man. Um... No pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I came in thinking that this was going to be a good asterisk because okay. like, it had its moments. Um, yeesh. How about you get, can you give your review and then sure. I give my review? <laughs> so my official rating for, for Papillon, uh, even though it felt a little bit disjointed, it felt uh, just a little bit oddly paced at certain points. Um, it did have some really good tension. The isolation felt real that is true yes um, and it had kind of that same thing that i talked about with uh porn tag p-shirt showed and aaron campbell where does that bending without breaking that makes you feel even more uncomfortable watching it right like as stuff is going on and you're just waiting for like the hammer you're waiting for something and it just it built so with that in mind my official rating for papillon is a good i enjoyed this film I would still have to give it a good asterisk no nope, because... that is not allowed <laughs> <laughs> wow good bad or ugly good, it wasn't meant enough to be bad okay but it wasn't great perfect then it sounds like that is a good <laughs> okay <laughs> fine, if you're good, looking for something good. between bad and great okay so good good okay Fair. nice uh next movie is a movie that legitimately i had forgotten was coming out yeah got uh, back a lot tim and i started seeing trailers for this a year ago like actually right. over a year ago it was july 2017 i had to look it up and we saw a trailer for it, you know, before some other screening. Like, all right, looks kind of weird, but sure. Then nothing. Yep. Like, we did not hear anything about this movie. Uh, it was initially supposed to open in, like, December of 2018. Yeah. Then it got pushed to March of 2018. Then it got pushed to August 18th of tw- or August 17th, 2018. Right. Over a year after they first dropped their trailer. And sometimes, like... Justice League did that to kind of gain hype. But the, that Justice League thing, that was like a Comic-Con thing. Exactly. Like so they, were, they were trying. This one, it was right. just like, 
hey, here's this trailer for a movie. You look yeah. forward to it in a couple months. The odd thing was was <laughs> continuing to see posters at the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're like, oh yeah, this movie's still coming out. I've th- and sometimes we because we do not get to screen everything, mm-hmm. you know. And so sometimes we will go to the theater and look at a poster and be like, oh yeah, you know, we forgot that came out. We missed it. Yeah. Oh well. Mm-hmm. This one we would see and we we're like, wait, did you see that? Did you see that? And like. Nobody's seen. We're like, when is it even coming out? I remember seeing uh, posters for this like for like six months. Oh, it was well. Then yeah. it was we saw them for a while, and then it just disappeared until the last like couple months when they were like coming soon, <laughs> Alpha. Right. And it was like, right. okay. So this is the story takes place twenty thousand years ago mm. in Europe. Uh, I will say right off the bat, it is more historically accurate than ten thousand BC. The train wreck of a movie from a few years ago i don't even remember that oh 10,000 bc Neither was trash no. so this is 20,000 years ago in europe there's this group of ancient humans you know kind of going about their life the story is basically the first domesticated wild dog or wolf as it were and a, and a boy's companionship and love with said wolf one of the reasons this was delayed so much is because they filmed this mainly in IMAX and in 3D for no reason whatsoever. Um, there were some some there were some things in there. There were like this is a 96 minute movie, and like that was it. Yeah. Oh. And like five <laughs> minutes of it actually had like some fireflies. You know, they would come forward and some like snow or rain. Uh, that was it. There were some interesting parts, like when it would pan up to the sky. Yeah, they had like the aurora borealis, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like that that was shot well, and it would pan up to the sky, and the camera would kind of tilt, and watching it in IMAX 3D, like you kind of felt your body turn a little bit, but that was kind of it, and it was like, why even have... Well, the cliffs. Yeah. The stampede scene. Like, well, there were things where it felt like they were coming at you. Like, the stampede scene definitely had some moments where like it looked like they were coming right at you. Yeah, and th- I think that was one of the downfalls of this of this film is unlike the jungle book which is also like uh, almost 100% CGI and one human boy that felt like it had weight it felt like the creatures were grounded felt like it was happening this there were so many times and it just did not feel real mm-hmm. like he was just kind of the the main character uh the young Kata. actor yeah Kata played by Cody Smith McPhee uh, who was Nightcrawler in in the recent X Men movies, okay, yeah, those train wrecks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there were just times when it just it did not really feel real. That being said, I mean there is some intense imagery. There is some intense moments in this film. I mean, like you see from the trailer, they're doing this big bison run where they run them off of off the cliff, and then Kata mm-hmm. gets pulled off, and these things. At one point, his dad is like looking down mm-hmm. at him. And it just it did not really seem like it was that far to climb down. And it was like, okay, you are hunters, you're gatherers, you have rope. Why do you not just like? Well, it would just. I mean, I get it for dramatic tension. I don't recall seeing them with rope because if they were going there for their intention, which was to run the bison off the cliff, they wouldn't need it. But they had to they drag the sleds back with all the meat that they had smoked, and. Well, from my understanding, the sleds are at the bottom of the. Or at the bottom where they mm-hmm. the bison ran off. Well, I don't know. Basically, I I see what you're saying, but they didn't have any rope with them. All they had with them were the spears. Yeah, which makes no sense. Uh, so there were just there were things that just did not really make any sense. Now, since the movie is about a boy and his dog, mm-hmm. I have said before, 
It is not that I'm not a dog person. I just never grew up with one. I never had that bond. Tim, have you? did you grow up with yeah. a dog? Yeah. I grew up with a dog as well. And Two even dogs. though my screen name is Pizza Cat MV, you know, <laughs> I think that works better than Pizza Pup. Yeah, fair. <laughs> but like, yeah, I grew up with a dog and like I've only had cats the last couple of years because that's all I could have, you know, for like when you have shared housing and such and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie at the end of it, it just made me really salty that I can't have a dog. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> dogs really are, you know, your best friend and like, you know, they're big and dopey and they're fun and they like to play and, you know, cats, you know, they'll cuddle up to you every so often when they feel like it. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. How, how much dialogue is in this film? So that actually surprised me. Going into this, and I put it up on social media, I, you do not see any dialogue in the trailer. No. And I was like, do a silent film and you will get my praises. Definitely was not a silent film. Uh, they speak in just kind of a made-up um, proto-European indigenous dialect. Do we know if that's actually made up? I was wondering about that. Yeah. From what from what I, I did some, you know, looking into it, they did say one of the things that like uh, Indo-North North American dialect, but it was like... Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, and the dialogue is limited. So yeah. Um, what was funny is when I put this up on social media, one of the filmmakers that I met when I was in Vancouver recently, Bren, he actually worked on this film. So they filmed this in Calgary. They filmed this parts of it in Vancouver, and he talked about like he and I were kind of DMing each other. And he was like, "Yeah, it was pretty weird being on set as the actors are saying the the dialogue." But nobody really, like, it's not like you have regular cues where you're like, mm-hmm. all right, do this and this. Because you have a script in front of you and you're like, uh, I think that was what is happening. Mm-hmm. So we were just saying that was just kind of an interesting set to be on mm-hmm. to hear that and then just be like, okay, I, I guess that is what is happening. Right. Well, so, then major props to Cody Smith. Cody, Sm- Cody Smith McPhee. McPhee, because like a lot of this movie is just him and the wolf. Yeah. And so he is he does talk to it at times, and there are mm-hmm. times when it's a CGI wolf. Which was weird. Or, you know, like a stuffed wolf or some mm-hmm. other type deal. So there there are times and like again, that speaks to that weightlessness. There's a there are a couple of times when like when he picks it up and it does, it looks and feels, quote unquote, like a stuffed animal. It just does not have the physical weight in the space. But yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I'm just saying like, you know, it was good for him because like, yeah, a lot of the movie was just him and the Mm -hmm. wolf. And I don't know. I felt that it was cute. I felt that, you know, the story progressed well and that, you know, he was able through his facial expressions to show their journey to -hmm. try to get home because that's really what it was. Both of them were trying to get home. And, you know, there is a part where the wolf Mm -hmm. does get to go home. Yeah. And, you know... Eh, I don't want to spoil it. Too. I mean, it is, it, is, it is a classic tale of whether it is like Harry and the Hendersons or anything right. where go, go be with them. You know, mm-hmm. Like that, like no matter what type of movie, that same type of good dinosaur. Oh, exactly. Right. Just like, you know, you belong with them, but I love you. And because, yeah, so that's you, your family. Exactly. So you kind of you're see my that family. Coming. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so like the, the journey home is definitely right. a big central theme of this. Um, it is hard to say that the cinematography was good because it was hard to tell what was actually Real. filmed in reality and then CGI or this IMAX. So it was just kind of, yeah, it, it did not have a weight to it that I felt was believable in certain parts. But yeah, he was good. Um, I liked his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Johan something yeah. or another. Johannes Hakur Johannesson. So that's so, a hell of a name. Johannes yeah. Johannesson. <laughs> it's like, really, bro? Like, all right, sure. Uh, but yeah, like he was pretty good. You do not really get a lot of the tribe kind of dynamic. Right. 
of them, of this nomadic people. But you don't really need it. Like, it is the boy and his dog. I mean, uh, you barely learn that there are multiple tribes. Yeah, pretty much. And, so, that, you know, there's this tense moment where, you know, they go to meet up with the other tribe. And, you know, so it it was there. Um, yeah. What other notes? I think that was a- about it for my notes. Uh, what was I going to say? Going back to, like, the waitlessness. Mm-hmm. I think back to when we were at the screening for The Hobbit. I think it was the second one where, like, they're oh, falling down gosh. the mountain and they just kind of look like little gumballs or whatever. Yeah. Just kind of bouncing off things. Gotcha. Like, for me, that's when the waitlessness was really apparent. It wasn't that bad in this. I True. thought there was real weight in this, especially when Alpha was fighting, because Alpha definitely fought more than Kata did. Yeah. Alpha gets beat up. <laughs> yeah, that that dog wolf creature, yeah, goes through some some tough times. I for know. Sure. In pursuit of you know taking care of Kata, mm-hmm. I mean they pr- they protect each other, they hunt together, they become friends. But yeah, I felt that it's definitely it had some weight to it for sure. I'd give it that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, even when that opinion is wrong. Huh. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, for Alpha, good, bad, or ugly, what do you give this? I would give it a good. And I think that it's funny because a lot of people pan this immediately after it ended. I could think of at least five or six people that were like, this is a trash fire and like mm-hmm. just did not like it. I thought it was cute. And I'm usually not a sucker for like man and dog films, like Air Bud and like that type of stuff. Like, <laughs> like Air Bud. Wow. That was <laughs> random, <laughs> random ball. Wow. Well, I mean, same thing, basically. Yeah. But it's like, you know, <laughs> I thought that the story was cute. It's a family film. You have yes. to keep that in mind. So it's like, what, PG, PG-13? Right. Uh, I think I it was PG-13 because of the probably blood. PG th- I mean, yeah. like, it was, this was, again, it was surprising kind of bloody. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was PG-13. And yes, it is a family film. Uh, one of the things that Tim and I kind of make fun of sometimes at these uh, screenings where it is not just critics, it is public who get to see it, you know, one or two weeks in advance mm-hmm. when people clap. they clap at anything. At, at oh, yeah. Because they're like, sweet, we just got to see a free yeah. movie two weeks ahead of everybody it's good, else. It's not an indicator how good a movie is. No. <laughs> so this movie, not only did they clap, they howled. Yes. There were people in the theater, oh, and I was like, come on. That's too much. It really was. people doing too much. It was. There's no way. And I mean, there was a moment in the last five minutes of this movie that is only there to get people hooked. Right in the feels. Right in the feels to to leave, have them leave the theater and be like, aww. Yeah. Smart. Mm -hmm. I mean, and again, like, so the the rest of the movie could just be drudging, but they hit you with that at the end, which had the least weight of everything in the movie like what happens at the end but Mm -hmm. uh yeah my official rating is bad um of course i would expect nothing less from you because (laughs) you have an empty heart fair enough and you don't like dogs i like them Mm. i just it doesn't sound like it. yeah exactly see what is funny is i forget what episode it was on i recently so that the (laughs) listeners know both tim and i are giving him side eye right now fair (laughs) i said something else about dogs recently and somebody called me out on twitter and they were like, you don't like dogs? I was like, I never really said that. It's okay not to like that. dogs. Just I do, I do like dogs. I do feel about them. I just never grew up with one, so I never really developed that bond. I had a cat. I like cats. Uh, but yeah, so it is, it is a bad. Um, it was relatively shot well. It was just hard to tell what was what. Uh, and yeah, well acted. So, But it gets a bad. Uh, next, and the last movie on this episode, Mile 22. Wow. Tim, <laughs> take it away. Uh, like I said before, the latest Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg collaboration. Oh, na- name a couple of the other big hits. Uh, Patriot Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Um, we're missing one. 
Uh, I'm sensing a theme here. Picture Day, oh, Long Survivor. The, the theme is very apparent in all of Peter Berg's. America! What's the other one? Yeah. We're missing one. Anyway. Yeah, I, I'm pulling no, it up. So this, yeah. this movie is about um, this counter-terrorism group <laughs> that's like an arm of the CIA. Right. That uh, it opens with them busting this Russian house that's doing whatever. I don't know. Who knows what they're doing? Something illegal. Yeah, we never know. But they bust the house and then... Fast forward to, what, six months later, mm-hmm. they're in Southeast Asia, and Alice, played by, uh, what's his face from The Walking Dead? Oh, the... Uh, the Karen, uh, I'm speaking on her name. Yeah. But she's in it, and, and she's got a, she's got an intel. They're looking for, like, this, like, some crazy isotope. Deepwater Horizon. Deepwater that was Horizon, the other one. The other one. Okay. This crazy isotope that's like cesium, cesium is gonna like <laughs> blow up, can blow up everything, right? Right. So looking for it. that will mm-hmm. seize things. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so, and uh, Lauren Cohen, Lauren Cohen. Yeah. So she's got an asset, and her and she's like, her asset is good, and he's got an intel. He's gonna tell us where this seven pounds or nine pounds of cesium is. Mm-hmm. So he says he has it, but it's on like this disc that he he only knows the password to. And it's a hard, like an external hard drive. Yeah. And it's got like a countdown, okay. which we physically see when they go into the disc. Yeah. It's like this. An Ouroboros yeah. hard drive. It's, it's this hard drive. <laughs> and you're watching like this red circle sort of fill up mm-hmm. as it gets closer to timing. So his his only request is to be flown out of the country and he'll give him, he'll give him the information. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, as he's in the, the U.S. Embassy... Uh, people from whatever Southeast Asian country, completely made up Asian country called Indocar. They they, <laughs> try, like, to, they sure. try to they try to kill. Uh, I am shaking my head right now. Well, I mean, it felt like um <laughs> on like Young Justice. Yeah. What was a? It was not Moldova. It was a uh, maybe it was Moldova. Like there's like make a country yeah. that sounds vaguely. It's, it's like Southeast an amalgamate Asian of all these like parts of yeah. certain country yeah. names. Yeah. Pretty so, much. So Indocar is yeah. the, is the city in this movie. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, what's his, who played the asset? Was the eco uh, eco uh, eco Owais. eco Owais from the raid raid redemption? Oh, so good, okay. eco's great. So he's the asset, and so they try to kill him, and then now Mark Wahlberg and his team realizes that oh, this is a big deal. So they, their plan is to escort him to the airport mm-hmm. at mile twenty two, which is why it's called mile twenty two. Yep. Okay. And of course, during the escort through these very small Southeast Asian streets, mm-hmm. uh, they're being Killed and harassed and shot at and hmm. blown up. Okay. All harassed. The way there. <laughs> hey, lady. Yeah. Looking good. They're getting harassed. People <laughs> right. riding, riding really close on their motorcycles. Yeah, it's, right. it's harassment. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the movie. They're trying to get him to mm-hmm. mile 22 to get some information. Okay. Now, here's the crazy part. That whole crazy uranium, whatever thing they're looking for. Cesium. Cesium. <laughs> I haven't even seen this movie, and that name's going to stick out to me. So the, cesium. The cesium and all of that is like... Not even a part of the story, really. It's kind of just there. It is like it is the MacGuffin to end all MacGuffins. But no one ever. That's not even really important. At the end yeah. of the movie, no one's like, "Well, did we get the?" Well, they at some point find the CZM. Well, but it was like okay, in Mission Impossible Fallout, when yeah. it was like there are three nuclear bombs, blah, blah and you see the bomb, yeah. you see mm-hmm. the people work. This was like. There's this powder that could equal Nagasaki yeah. and Hiroshima times five. Why? And then you forget about it? Well, not even forget, but like we never really see what it, not necessarily what it can do. We don't need to see a big nuclear right. explosion. What kind of device it is? He was like, but you can just now, you can just have a kid with an envelope full of powder and you can kill millions of people. And it was like, wait, how, what? How? <laughs> like, okay, so I'm lost. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. 
I, I mean, I'm pretty sure with these type of movies, they don't really expect people to pay that much attention anyway or to get no, that. that. Okay, here's a problem with Peter Berg's movies. He mm-hmm. tries to give all this exposition through dialogue. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the way they do it in this film is they do, they keep cutting back to like an interview that Mark Wahlberg's character is giving. Mm-hmm. Like a deposition. Or almost. like whatever. Yeah, or something. Okay. Uh, and he's kind of just yelling at people <laughs> very aggressively. Yeah. And like talking to them like they're stupid. Okay. Every person Every he interacts with. Every single person. Yeah. And he, it sounds like he uses, he learned big words in prison the way he talks to people. Yeah. <laughs> He does that constantly. So here's information that you apparently need for the film that's being yelled constantly. It's mm-hmm. never like, like there's that scene in Mission Impossible where where Ethan Hunt says, "All right, this is the impossible part." And someone says, "Oh, we can't do that," and say, "Oh, you think that's impossible?" And they explain <laughs> yeah. the mission. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no real explanation. I don't know why this these nameless Southeast Asian people are after him. They're just after him. They've got a guy, as John mentioned, who teleports. Okay, he just dude, randomly <laughs> shows up everywhere. <laughs> this guy, so played, played by Sam Medina, who I like. I've seen him in some other stuff. Good. He is a chief security officer of this made up country. This dude. Is like Littlefinger in season four of yeah. Game of Thrones. Literally, just pops up anywhere the plot needs him to be. There is a scene like, in this movie. Wow. There's a scene in this movie where he watches Mark Wahlberg. He watches them speed off. They drive mm-hmm. away full speed. Yeah. Okay. And then he somehow intercepts them at their location. And not just intercepts <laughs> them like like they do in a lot of action movies where they come out of an alley and kind of sideswipe them like they do in Mission Impossible. We keep going back to that because guess what? That was an action movie that made sense. Yeah. No. No. And this, yeah. he is coming at them head on. Yeah. He's so in a, and he's in how, a car. However he got there, he got there fast enough to get ahead of them and be driving towards them. See, in most action flicks, you're not supposed to think about these types of things. You're not supposed to look at them but critically. But this one, Peter Berg <laughs> is trying to make smart action movies. Yeah. He is trying to make these super right wings. That is where his political leanings are. Well, super right wing. Yes. Like, listen, I don't even care about political leanings. There's a way to do it. And do it well. And there's yeah. a way to do it and actually be smart yeah, about it. Yeah, it's just not smart. Yeah. Like, I don't care what he, what he believes or who he votes for. Like, that's fine. But, it just, but yeah. it's just it's not a good movie. But it's like, yeah. don't do stuff like that and try to tell me you're doing a smart action flick. Yeah. Like, I can watch exactly. a dumb, actlish, an, a dumb yeah, action flick and be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. He He's so heavy-handed with the dialogue that makes no sense. This, this is one of, not only one of the worst scripts that I have heard in a it's, long it's time. It's a really bad script. The editing yeah. is the worst I have seen. In a very long time. So here's one of my big problems, and I've talked about this on previous episodes. When you cast people who know how to fight legitimately, so you have Ronda Rousey and Iko yeah. Weiss. And even Lauren Collins, she does The Walking Dead. She can do action. Yeah. I've seen her do long-form action shots on The Walking Dead. And even Mark Wahlberg, to his credit, like he action. knows how to do action. And yet the editing completely disrespects them. So Iko Weiss was actually the fight choreographer for this film, which yeah. is great. He is one of the best Salat practitioners. Like, he is a legit martial artist. Mm-hmm. Watch The Raid yeah. if you are not convinced. Yeah. But you take his amazing choreography and you chop and screw it so much yeah. it's like that it does not make sense. When you don't really get a good sense of what's happening of on the screen. flow or anything. It's such a tight shot. There's, there are shots in The Raid where there are long shots down yep. the hallway. There are wide shots. There's overhead shots. Mm-hmm. There's tracking shots. So you, you're seeing this guy do work, and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, this dude is a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you take the same guy, mm-hmm. same talent, mm-hmm. you put him in a tight shot, and then you just and cut the, and, and move the, the camera 10 inches away from him. Yeah. Oh, no. It just it, That makes no sense. And Ronda Rousey is in this. So you hire somebody like Ronda Rousey for her judo chops, not her acting chops. Well, I mean, she and, is in WWE now, which is, you know, she's working right. on it. But again, you hire her for judo chops. 
She does not throw a punch in this yeah. entire you movie. Like her, you take you put her in a situation where she's able to just to like. Does she even do an armbar? No, not nothing. Wow. Not like she shoots some. She, she shoots nothing. some people. Yeah, and that is it. Like Gina Carano when she first started doing acting, like uh, Haywire. Haywire. Like she gets somebody in a triangle choke. Yeah, like she, she does. Fassbender. Yeah, she does martial arts. In this, you get Ronda Rousey, a legitimate like medalist, Olympic medalist in judo, and she does nothing. Nothing. It, 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 like that, it blows my mind. Yeah, I would love to see them put 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 Eco in a room and just with the, like one of those sky cams from the NFL and just have it like yeah. circle the room during. And the that's probably sequence. what they should have done. I, yeah, I would watch that. They like should the have drone cameras are a thing. Well, and it just you know we talked about it last week, but how I recently watched at uh, Grand Illusion. Yeah. You know some old school kung fu movies. Even though everything is choreographed down to a T and <laughs> the fight itself, even if they were to land one of the blows that they're blocking, would not really do anything. The camera is 10 feet away. Right, right, so you can actually see what they're doing. You can see the martial artist, like, yeah. and you can tell, like, okay, that guy actually does know how to yeah. kick and punch. Yeah. There, there's, a so, scene, there's a scene where they fight in this hospital room, and this guy, <laughs> we watch him get his leg broken. Snapped. Ooh, Just no. like, okay. snap. And then he's up on his feet, like. <laughs> wow. I'm, this yeah. is, I'm, this is, yeah. to the point where I was like, is there another person in the room? <laughs> right. Another character we haven't seen who comes off screen? No. Same two guys. He just up on his feet. As yeah. If we didn't see. That's why I think. I think Berg, so that speaks to the guy showing up at the end in the car. Yep. I think he just did a bunch of shoots mm. and then just edited it Chopped all everything together. Because it doesn't make, because there's so much stuff like that. I mean, those are two examples. Yep. A bunch of stuff in the film doesn't make sense. Also, to note, they're not good at their job. No. Oh, wow. Nobody, ha- like we talked about not having what, chemistry. What's the, name, what's the name of the group? They have a, Overwatch. Overwatch. Overwatch is terrible. Hmm. They, Man. They, okay. They're supposed to be <laughs> this a branch of the CIA. Like the elite fighting squad. Oh, not, not necessarily the, not the like the the cleaners, the one yeah, who will do okay. everything. They're the third option. Yeah, but you would think if they're affiliated with the U.S. government, they would be elite. You would think they would have intel, and right? Well, that yeah. too. The yeah. big <laughs> twist in this movie is simple intel because we watch them oh, get people's DNA literally at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, uh, there would be some intel that they would have that somehow no one has nope. at the end of the movie. Like no one has it. It is. I was like the the, <laughs> the biggest plot device that like the big. Twist reveal, reveal. At the, at the, in like the last five minutes, you're like, um, well, why wouldn't you have that? How did you not know that <laughs> from the that? beginning? So yeah. how come they don't have Sam Medina's intel where he can get ahead of them? Right. Well, because <laughs> so. he is the chief of security for Indocar, so yeah, whatever. But like, and what is also Indocar. weird about Overwatch is, so you have the two computer nerds. Yeah. You have the drone pilot. You have John Malkovich, who is the head of the group. He is all right. He is wearing a terrible wig like hairpiece yeah. um, like an 80s yeah. cop buzz cut okay uh, but you get the drone pilot who all he wants to do is blow people up is blow people up like you see because you see the drone footage because mm-hmm. overwatch is there and they're like uh, position nine or five and he was like i have them in my sights he was like can i blow them up and john malkovich was like calm down you're a loose cannon or whatever like three or four times all this dude wants to do is blow people up finally when he gets the chance spoiler alert it does happen he eliminates a threat that is in their path, and they go on with their mission. It was like, Where was you just movie? saw a bunch of people get murked. Yeah. And John Malkovich, for whatever reason, is like, uh, just wipe out that entire block. Yeah. Just, you know. Yeah, the, huh. His team is getting destroyed, <laughs> and they never, they never, you don't have to blow them up. Shoot yeah. at them. Well, but you anything. do in this type of film. <laughs> but instead, you have multiple people commit suicide. Oh, 100%. What? Yeah. 
Like from the end. Like su- suicide bombers. Oh, su- oh but okay. Like, oh, I'm, I can't go, go on without <laughs> me. I'm gonna stay behind. This is a suicide mission. I'm gonna try yeah. to shoot them and hold them off. All the while, you have the dude in the bunker, quote unquote, with the drone, with the, his literal like fingers on the trigger the entire movie. Never uses it. It one uses it <laughs> once, and it and it works. Like yeah. that, it would be one thing if he used it, and they're like, oh no, my tracking system. Nope, used it perfectly. Eliminates the threat. They go on with the mission. Yeah. I think it's 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 just a bunch of. I think he shot a bunch and tried to like cut it down, and that's why it feels so uneven and so yeah. ridiculous. Well, probably because like continuity is huge for me. Like if I saw someone get their leg snapped and then like a scene later they're walking, that would have really bothered me. Yeah, and then they got this whole side <laughs> thing where Alice is like a bad mom and she's oh, using like an app to about? talk to her family for co-parenting. Play her husband played by Peter Berg. Um, right. So they at least attempted to have some sort of other, like, to give the characters depth. Oh, the B plots are terrible. Oh, <laughs> every every side plot, which the one that bothered me. Was this the rubber band snaps? Yes. The one that, like, bothers me, like, <laughs> ethically, as somebody, you know, spoiler alert, personal information, as somebody who suffers from ADHD, seeing Mark Wahlberg's character, who they, right from the beginning, are like, he suffers from ADHD, and his, mechani- his coping mechanism, he wears a rubber it's band pain, yeah. and mm-hmm. snaps himself. So it is pain. That is his like thing that calms him down. Mm-hmm. He is never calm in this movie. <laughs> and so you see he him. He yells at everybody. Yells at everybody. He, you hear that snap throughout the entire movie. Back, yeah. And it's like, okay, obviously your mechanism for controlling your ADHD, which all of us have different things that help or hinder, mm-hmm. that is not working yeah. and has not <laughs> been working your entire life because yeah. it showed him when he was a kid doing He's it. so hostile. Like, why would you want him <laughs> on your team? Why is he leading the team? Loose cannon. Yeah, he's like slams Ronda Rousey's birthday cake. Oh, that so she doesn't get to have one for no so reason. Half cake. Just slams uh, it in this cafe. And Breaks the yeah unnecessarily graphic. There is so a bunch of people obviously get killed, punched, stabbed, shot, whatever. There is one mercenary who gets killed in a way that is a hundred percent unnecessary. Oh, I loved it though. The window. The window scene. Like uh. where all of us just like. We oh. we see it happen and then we're like, oh okay. And then he does something we're like, <laughs> like all of us just cringe. Yeah. That's uh, if you want the spoiler for that, I'm not gonna say it on air, but hit me up on social media. Yeah, I will tell you. About I'll it. definitely be asking but I more off air. I wanted yeah. more of those scenes. Well the thing yeah. is, being a horror movie fan, I've seen some pretty gruesome mirror yeah. scenes or window scenes, so I have an idea of what it might be, but yeah. I will well, ask you to compare. No, it, it this is this takes the typical one that you might be thinking of and just takes it to another level for no reason yeah. whatsoever. But, okay. Uh, wow. So yeah, that that was yeah. Th- those are mine. So your official rating, Tim? Oh, it's, for- it's ugly. There was a super ugly. It's one of the worst films I've seen this year. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And I I I wasn't as hard on it when I first got out, but the more I thought about, it, like this is a, this is terrible. Yeah, this is <laughs> really uh, bad. My rating is is ugly also, which sucks because again, the raid and the raid redemption, yeah. two fantastic movies, and you finally get whenever they get an action star from the Asian cinema market. And give them a shot in an American film, and it's like, okay, here we go. This is his entry, and he this is a better ter- film. Or, yeah, I'll, this I'll is terrible. I would put him in anything else. So, think like an, uh, an example of that. If you were wondering, like Jet Li in Lethal Weapon Four, that was a lot of people's first introduction to him, and it was like, since then, mega star. Yeah. Oh, he'll still be a star. I think someone will give him because they did they did uh, choreography for um, Star Wars. Yes. So yeah. Because they're, they're in they're in um, Force Awakens. Is he? The Ray guys. Remember they show up oh, on the ship? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
uh, what, are they, what are they called? Uh, Clan or something? I forget what what the name yeah. is, but yeah, those guys show up on the ship and they, they want they want to get money from Han Solo because he owes them. They yeah. wanted the group to show up and gets eaten. So and yeah, Matt Dog is in that scene. Matt <laughs> So I mean, yeah, he deserves a better movie. He deserves a lot more just props. He is a legit martial artist. I need Peter Berg to stop these movies. Full stop. Like just yeah, full stop. Peter Berg. This is his fourth Mark Wahlberg movie with again just the rah rah America. I just am done. Like, I mean, we're in those times now. I don't think they're going to stop anytime soon. No, they're, but Peter, Peter Berg this, needs to stop this, stop this man crush with Mark Wahlberg of being like, and hearing some of the things that Mark Wahlberg has said in interviews about this movie mm-hmm. just make me uncomfortable. Like it just, what is it about? he just talks about some of the themes and how important some of the themes are and national security. So and he's it caught just up like, in the hype basically. It, just, I mean, it feels these things are very important, obviously. But he, like the way that he just said it, I think just because hanging out with Peter Berg so much. Yeah, but just mm-hmm. like like the, the evil, nondescript brown brown people, people yeah. getting exactly. murdered yep. by Americans doing it the American way. He's so American. He's got like his flannel on because we like, know what's right at all times. Yeah, yeah. not even his, it's just and like, the rest of our the, role. The, the rest the, of the role takes our lead. The characterization of what Americans are is so narrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have these very broad brush brown people mm-hmm. who are just terrorists who just want to do evil things without yep. any thought as to why these things are happening. Which yep. is fine. Which is listen. This is a trope that's been around action movies since. I can remember. That's but the thing, though. From it what you guys, sucks to, it, it, <laughs> it it carries a much different weight today. Yes, than it yeah. did in the past. Yep. Well, but both of you guys said that they never really explained why the people of Indicar had a problem with no. these people coming in, and so nope. that's nope. problematic in and of itself. Because like, if there was at least some sort of idea of why they were warring or yeah. why they were against each other, that'd be one thing. But otherwise, yeah. yeah, it just looks like you're going to another country to shoot up. Some the worst part people. is this movie has the nerve to set up a sequel. Oh, oh, wow. oh, and, the not, nerve. and not just a, not just a like. Oh, the cesium is still out. We missed one. Yeah. Oh, no. no. This is the most heavy-handed yeah. lead into a sequel. And so one of my favorite podcasts, The Weekly Planet, they give it a, an award every year yeah. that is called the Game is On yeah. Award, which is a setup for a sequel that never happens. They started that with uh, Dracula. Yeah. Because at the end of that, you see, you know, like in the 70s, I think at that point, and you see um, Lannister's character, uh, Tyrion Lannister, or not yeah. Tyrion, Tywin Lannister. Mm-hmm. You see him and he goes, ho, the game is on. Credits. <laughs> wow. And it leads into a sequel that is never going to happen. So yeah. they give out an award called The Game Is On. This movie leads into a sequel so heavy handed to a sequel we will never see. Yeah. And it was like, what? Yeah. And the, oh, yeah, the dialogue is just trash. Yeah. So it's, it's not. At, this is the definition of an ugly film. Ugly from beginning so, to end. Yeah. So that, uh, that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, Papillon, uh, I gave it a a solid good. Michelle gave it. She tried to give it a good asterisk, which is ridiculous, and that rating does not exist. I give it a exist. good, fine. If I have to <laughs> abide by your rules, you do. Uh, and then Alpha, I also gave it a good. And mm-hmm. I just want to say that, like, if you can just take a step back and think of it, it's a family film. It's yes. a fun film. It's a, basically a film about a boy and his dog. If you yeah. can look at it through that lens, you can appreciate it as a good. Okay, uh, I gave it a bad. Uh, <laughs> Again, because you're heartless yeah, and you fair. don't like pets. I love pets. I've always had pets. It just, yeah. You didn't anyway. have a dog. I just never had a dog. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Mile 22. Ugly. The ugliest ugly that, I mean, so far, and I give out my awards every year, 
the goodest of the good, the baddest of the bad, the ugliest of the ugly. So far, this is going to be a tough one to beat. <laughs> it's going to win a lot of Razzies. It's, Oof. It's, uh, yeah. 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 So. No, ugly. Uh, okay. So, Tim, any upcoming projects? What you got going uh, on? We're doing a Man in the 80s podcast for Ghostbusters this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're doing Superman 1 and 2 with John. We're gonna oh, we are. That. We're doing that. Imagine that. Uh, and then reviews for Happy Time Murders, uh, Searching. I, I was going to go to that screening. I have another event, oh, and man. I'm actually not feeling too bad about missing it. Like, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, searching, though. Searching ser- looks really good. Searching, and then um, the Operation Finale, mm-hmm. Final, whatever. Operation Finale, and then the one that I'm excited for, Kin. Kin. Yes. We talked about this movie like six months ago is another one yeah. where they dropped a trailer then the marketing stopped <laughs> yeah. and then they dumped it on august 31st which anybody who's around the film industry knows like that is a dead zone but i mean it's the dead zone it's the end of the summer it is it is a, into the oscar stuff they just are not really that is where they put movies over there they know they cannot make a big summer blockbuster and they right. know that a fall movie it doesn't is not fit. yeah it does yeah. not fit so yeah i found out about it from uh zoe kravitz's instagram yeah. There's a lot you can find out on her Instagram. Uh, <laughs> you just, would ask, know. just ask Tim. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, great. so I definitely am excited for Ken. Yeah. Uh, and Tim, where can people find you on social media? Uh, peoplescriticblog.com, uh, peoplescritic on Twitter, uh, Instagram. Find me there. Nice. Uh, and Michelle, where can people find you on Instagram so they can talk all about anime? Yeah, you can find me just on Instagram. I gave up on Twitter years ago. Fair. Um, so my Instagram is pizzacatmv. Nice. Uh, and then, yeah, upcoming things for this podcast. Yeah, same type of uh, screening. So searching and can I'm excited for. Rose City Comic Con in Portland is around the corner. I will be going down there for that. Make sure to vote in the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards. Voting is still open, I think, until September 1st. Uh, they've not gone back to me as far as when the actual date is. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, if you have not voted already, please do that. That means a lot. Uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Michelle, for being on mic. For, for the first time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was not too bad, right? No, it wasn't. I mean, I was definitely nervous about it, but, you know, maybe you'll invite me back. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, we can definitely, we can make that happen. So we can argue more about man versus, or man and dog films. <laughs> Why he hates dogs so much. Wow. Yes. Wow, the slander. Uh, cool. So for this episode, I have been joined by... Tim, the People's Critic. And... Pizza Cat MV. And I have been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.